Good morning. A warm welcome to the service this morning. Let's begin this time of worship. Let's unite our hearts in, in prayer together. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for this, your day, and we thank you for the words of that hymn that we've begun this service with. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for the, the message of the gospel, uh, for the good news about Jesus, good news for sinners like, like we are. And we thank you, Lord, for uh, that the way that that hymn takes us immediately to the cross of Jesus, uh, to the most important place uh, in all of history, uh, to that moment of greater significance than any other moment in the history of time. We thank you that Jesus, your Son, our Saviour, went willingly to the cross. And we thank you that he went uh, for us. We thank you that he bore our pain as we've sung. We thank you that he plumbed the depths of our disgrace. And Lord, as we think even upon that line, uh, we would confess our disgrace. We would confess, Lord, that we are sinners. We look back even over the last few days since we were last gathered together in your house, and we confess that in our minds and uh, with our mouths and in our lives and our actions and reactions, we, we sin. Uh, we can think of times when uh, we have uh, grieved your Holy Spirit, and we pray that you would forgive us. And Lord, we are also aware that there are many times that we are we are unconsciously sinning even, and you are grieved in your spirit, Lord. The Holy Spirit is grieved within us, and we, we, we pray that you would forgive us. We thank you that the, the depths of our disgrace has been plumbed on the cross by Jesus, that Jesus has gone there. He has, he has forgiven our sin. He has taken our sin upon himself, and we thank you that when we believe in him, we are given the promise that we have life again. We thank you that Jesus is the one who, who took the curse of sin upon himself uh, into his body on the tree. And we praise you, Lord, that when uh, we are trusting in him, uh, when we are believing in him, uh, we are cleansed uh, of that sin. The curse is removed and we are given uh, the righteousness of Christ. What a thought to, to dwell upon that we who are sinners are made righteous. We are made like Christ. We are clothed in his righteousness when we believe in him. So we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the death of Jesus in our place. We thank you that death could not hold him, that on the first day of the week he rose from the dead. And we thank you that every, every Lord's day that we gather, uh, we are reminded and we are called to rejoice in that wonderful truth that Jesus, that Jesus lives and that we live because of all that he has done for us. We thank you for the rest that we are promised when we come to Jesus, that rest that we thought about last Sunday morning. And we pray that we would know that on this uh, special day that's set aside, this gift that you've given to us, we pray uh, that we would know relief from the burdens and the, the responsibilities of our daily work and that we would find rest and refreshment in your presence. So we praise you, Lord, for the gospel. We ask that you would help us to believe each one of us and help us to be those who go out and who, who share the message of the gospel with those that you put around us, near and far. We think of those who are ministering uh, far afield, uh, who have given their lives to going out to tell people about Jesus. We think of Martin and Joyce Campbell. We thank you for your hand upon their lives and for uh, the work that you've called them to. We look forward to hearing more of it. Uh, this coming Wednesday, but we ask that you would bless them, Lord, uh, and bless all the, the places and the people that they have touched over the years. We pray, Lord, for 
uh, the work of the gospel in the different places that we have a, a particular interest in as a congregation. We bring them to you. We, we think of the DPRK and we ask, Lord, for uh, your work in that place, uh, which is very much under the, under the radar. But we thank you that, Lord Jesus, you are building your church in that place. And we thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we pray uh, for that country. We pray for Nepal as well, a place that we've had a connection with over many, many years. And we ask, Lord, for the, the work of the gospel to progress there also. We pray for Kirsty and for Angus as they prepare to return uh, back there soon. And we ask that you would guide them and that you would lead them. Pray for Romania. We think of John Lachey as he uh, is out in Romania at present. And we ask that uh, you would bless uh, that ministry to young people over in Romania. We pray for Peggy as well as she uh, serves on the board of, of Children for Christ over there. And we ask, Lord, uh, for all those who have been reached uh, over this summer through these camps in Romania. And we ask that you would bless them, that the seed of the gospel may take root there as we pray, that it would take root here through the holiday club that we've uh, just had in the weeks past. Uh, we pray, Lord, uh, for Malawi. Uh, we think of Nurse Marion as she goes out there year by year. And again, Lord, we pray for all those uh, who have been touched through that. We pray for Japan. So we think about Richard and Emma. And uh, we ask that uh, you would continue to work in that country as well. We thank you that all people on earth uh, to dwell are called to praise the Lord uh, with cheerful voice. So we ask, Lord, for the work of the gospel to progress, that the, the, the kingdom of darkness would be defeated that more and more people would look to and trust in the Lord Jesus. And we pray for our nation, uh, once bright with gospel witness, now very much dark. Uh, and we ask, Lord, that you would have mercy upon us. Help us, Lord, we pray, to be ambassadors for Christ in this place. We pray for uh, Ennis McSween, as we heard your word through him last Sunday morning. We pray for Tornagrain, that church plant. And we ask, Lord, that you would bless that work. We pray for all the other plants of, of churches and in, in in around uh, our nation in the past few years. And Lord, we, we pray that you would help us in every endeavour to reach out with the gospel, uh, whether it's through little fishes or road to recovery or uh, whether it's in conversation in the shop or in our workplace. Enable us, we pray, to be ambassadors for Christ. We pray now that you would continue with us, that you would lead us and guide us that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. And we pray for those who would desire to be with us, but who can't be here today. We think especially of those uh, who are ill, those who are in hospital. Uh, we pray especially for Shona. And we ask, Lord, that your hand would be upon her uh, as her uh, condition seems to, to go up and down and uh, seems very unpredictable day by day. Uh, we ask that you would draw near to her. Uh, Lord, that uh, the infection that she struggles with would be fought back, that her mind would become clearer as the days go on, that her mobility uh, would be uh, good over uh, the weeks and, and months ahead. Lord, we pray that if it be your will, you would lay your hand of healing upon her and that she and all the family would know uh, your touch and your presence in, in this storm that they're going through. And for others, Lord, we pray for your hand upon them. We think of Shawnee as well from Kailas. We think of others, perhaps not in hospital, but who are at home, uh, ill at this time. We pray on for those who are grieving. We pray on for those who battle with addictions. We pray for those who feel low and depressed. We thank you that whether we are in the depths or 
whether we are in the heights, we can call out to you as our Lord and you hear our prayers and you help us. So bless us, we pray. Be with those visiting with us today as well. We thank you for them. We ask that they may know refreshment in this time of holiday in Harris. And Lord, we pray for our own people who are on holiday as well, that you would bless them and refresh them, uh, make them a blessing wherever they travel. So hear our prayers, take away our sin, we ask, and we pray all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So we'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for sending your Son into this world, and we thank you that when uh, we are trusting in Jesus, we are safe, we are protected. And we are protected forever. We know that in this world still there will be things that happen uh, which make us sad. There are things that happen which, which we suffer through. But we thank you that you've promised that you will be with us in every uh, situation like that. And we thank you that you've promised, Lord Jesus, that when we're trusting in you, even when we come to the end of our lives and we come to die, we are safe. Uh, we are kept safe and we are taken through death into life that's everlasting. So we pray that none of us here today would know these things, but not actually trust in Jesus. We pray that none of us would, would know that there are, there are robes of righteousness, uh, uh, that there are uh, robes that protect us forever, offered to us in Jesus, but we just leave them in the wardrobe. Help us, we pray, to, to come to you, Lord Jesus, and say, I believe in you. Take away my sin. Keep me safe forever and give me life that's everlasting. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to turn to God's word and we're going to read from First Peter and chapter 4. We've been working our way through this, this letter over a while. We took a break uh, over the last few weeks and we're coming back to it uh, this morning. And we'll read from verse 12 to the end of the, the chapter. Dear friends, says Peter, as God the Holy Spirit uh, guides him. Dear friends, beloved, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name, for it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. Let's pray as we turn back to the passage that we read. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge, we give thanks that uh, this is your word, that it's truth, and we pray that you would lead us and that you would guide us in, in the truth. As we sang in the psalm, we pray that would be our experience today, that we would be led and guided in uh, the truth of your word. And so we pray for the help of the Holy Spirit, that he would be our teacher, and we pray that our eyes would be uh, lifted from this world that we would take our eyes off ourselves and that we would uh, be trusting in the Lord Jesus. So hear our prayers and uh, help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could turn back now, please, to First uh, Peter chapter uh, 4. First Peter chapter 4, we're looking just at a short section from verse 12 to uh, verse uh, 19. 
And uh, you can see that in that section, the, the subject that Peter is dealing with, or God is dealing with through Peter, is uh, the subject of, of suffering. Now, there are some things, there are some subjects, uh, some particular things that we might try at all costs to avoid. And uh, for me, moment of confession, it's wasps. Um, and I, I kind of put bees in there in the same category. I can't tell what they, they are from a, a distance. I know bees do good. Wasps, as far as I can tell, do no good for anybody anywhere at any time. And so uh, I, I don't like wasps. I would like to avoid wasps. Uh, I love ice cream. I love the sunshine. Uh, but uh, I'd rather not eat ice cream in the sunshine than risk having a, a swarm of wasps buzzing around my face trying to get at the ice cream. I do almost anything uh, to, to avoid wasps. And for you, it'll be something different. It might be rats or snakes or, or spiders, or, or, or I can tell by the expression of people's face, it is some of these things. It could be boats. Some people will do anything. They don't want to go on a ferry boat. Uh, for some people, it's planes. They don't want to fly. They'll, they'll go over uh, land and sea, but they will not get into to a plane. And, and for other people, it can be... It can be a different kind of thing. We, it might be confrontation or conflict. We'll do anything rather than uh, face the risk of conflict uh, or confrontation or showing emotion. Uh, some of us like to, to keep a very uh, steady uh, poker face on. We don't like people to see us going high or low. And so we'll make a joke, we'll change the subject rather than show emotion. So there are certain things that we, we just like to try to avoid. And as we come back to this this letter this is a letter remember it's from Peter the disciple that we know the disciple that we love uh, the disciple of Jesus he's written this letter as God the Holy Spirit has inspired him and if we think about Peter if we were to turn back to the gospels and watch Peter and try to ask the question what is it that Peter doesn't like what is it Peter uh, would seek at all costs to avoid the answer is suffering as we track Peter going through the gospels he always wanted to avoid a course of suffering. So when Jesus uh, says in, in Mark chapter 8 that he is going to go to the cross, that he will suffer, Peter says, no, no, not, not that way. No, no suffering. He's rebuked for it. But Jesus came to go to the cross. That was his mission. He came to seek and save sinners like us. And if the, the wages of our sin were to be paid, if we were to be offered forgiveness, he must go to the cross. And so he did go to the cross. And as he went to the cross, Peter, who said that he would be there with him, no matter what, Peter scampers. He's at a distance. And a wee girl comes alongside him and says, are you not one of these disciples of Jesus? Are you not also part of that, that band that are now out of, out of public favor? And Peter, he denies the Lord Jesus three times rather than suffer. So Peter, he, he's somebody who, who didn't want to talk about suffering. He didn't want to think about suffering. He certainly didn't want to experience suffering that's the old peter that was back then but at the time of writing it's around about ad 63 about 30 years after jesus death and resurrection and peter now is somebody who talks in this letter repeatedly about suffering can't avoid it uh, 16 times in these five fairly short chapters we, we find the word suffer or suffering Peter, in this letter, he, he emphasizes to the, these followers of Jesus or those who are considering becoming followers of Jesus that it is inevitable that we will suffer for Jesus' sake. 
And Peter, in this letter, he teaches us how to to deal with uh, suffering when it comes. Not if it comes, but when it comes. So he says five things. And the first thing that Peter says is don't be surprised by suffering. Don't be surprised by suffering. Verse 12, he says, Dear friends or uh, beloved in the other versions, uh, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Now, surprise of any kind is only surprise if, if we're not expecting it. A surprise is, is not a surprise if we're prepared for it. A, a birthday party is not a surprise party if we already know that it's going to be happening at a certain time in a certain place. And uh, Peter says to these, these believers, don't be, don't be surprised by suffering. Now, already these Christians were beginning to suffer. Already they were experiencing what Peter uh, describes in verse 12 as a, a painful trial. And even if we go back to the very beginning of the letter, the first verse of this letter, uh, we see that these, these believers, these Christians, they had been driven out of their homes. They had been dispersed. They had been scattered uh, throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. They had been evicted from their homes, separated from their families. Why? Because they were known to be followers of Jesus. So at the time of writing, these believers, uh, they already were suffering. But things were about to get a whole lot worse. Because within a, a couple of years, uh, a, a, a leader called Nero, the emperor, was going to come into power. And he had a hatred for Christians that was literally devilish. And so the heat of persecution that these believers were, were experiencing was about to be turned up to maximum. And that would be a surprise. And so the Lord uses Peter to prepare these believers in advance. And he, he says to them, don't be surprised by the suffering that you are experiencing and you're about to experience. Now, if we take a moment and just think about how this impacts us here and today, how much do we suffer today here in the UK, in Harris, wherever you are? How, how, much, how much do we suffer as Christians? Well, I think that the answer is, is not much comparatively speaking, but probably more than we used to. And when we do suffer, and likely it will increase over the, the coming of the years, when we do suffer, it usually takes us by surprise, doesn't it? When we suffer for Jesus' sake, somebody's unkind to us, somebody does something, and it's because we're a Christian, it usually shakes us. And it causes us to say, why is this happening? Have I done something wrong? Why am I feeling this? It surprises us. And Peter says to us in this, his letter, it, it shouldn't surprise us. Don't be surprised by suffering, says God through Peter. And Peter is simply passing on what Jesus taught him. John 15, Jesus said in verse 18 to the disciples, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, says Jesus. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. You will suffer. So if you or I get ghosted, as the young people nowadays say, uh, if somebody no longer answers our calls, our texts, no longer really has anything much to, to do with us, uh, because, because they realise we're a Christian. Don't be surprised, says Peter. Don't let that shock you and unsettle you. Or if you get shot down and people say unkind things because you're a Christian, don't be surprised, says Peter. Or if you get held back and you, you, you don't get a promotion 
uh, because you put Jesus before work. Or you don't get a place in the team because you put Jesus above sport. Don't be surprised, says Peter. Don't think something strange is happening to you. This is what we have to expect uh, if we're going to follow Jesus closely. So don't be surprised by, by suffering. Maybe I should just say at this point, if there is somebody here who would profess to be a Christian and who knows, who knows nothing of suffering, who never gets ghosted, who, who never has to endure an unkind word, uh, who, who never experiences anything in terms of opposition for Jesus' sake. If there's somebody here who's reading this letter and saying, I don't know what on earth Peter's talking about, then the application uh, for us in that situation is to, is to really ask the question, am I a Christian at all? Because if we are Christians, we will know something of this. If this passage is a surprise to us, and it's completely alien to our experience, we have to ask the question, am I really a Christian at all? One of the commentaries, I can't remember which one it was, and I think it was a Chinese pastor uh, who was speaking with a, a Western pastor, and they were talking about their experiences, and the Chinese pastor had scars for Jesus' sake. The Western pastor you know, had, had nothing. And um, when the Chinese pastor asked him, well, why do you think that is? Do you think that's, that's right? He said, well, it's just, it's just, it just doesn't happen in our culture. And he said, don't you think it should? I wonder, maybe are you not speaking about Jesus enough? Is that why you've got no scars? Is that why nobody has a go at you? Is it because you're not speaking about Jesus? Don't be surprised by suffering, says Peter. The second thing he says is don't be saddened in suffering. That's the second point. Don't be saddened uh, in suffering. Verse 13 and 14. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that it may be overjoyed, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Jesus, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Sometimes we can be given uh, a recipe and it's a strange looking thing. I remember um, a year or two back being coming across a recipe for pizza and it was self-raising flour and uh, yogurt. And I thought, that can't be right. Yogurt's for pudding, it's not for pizza. It's, it's not a recipe that, that makes any sense. But when I, when I uh, tested it, sure enough, it, it worked. It was a, it was a surprising thing, uh, but, but it works and I've tried it. And Peter here, he's giving us a strange recipe. Don't be saddened in suffering, he says. And in the verses 13 and 14, he says, you know, take some suffering, add a few insults, mix them together in our Christian experience, and out of that comes great joy and blessing. Not sadness, but great joy and blessing in suffering. And this just seems so, so counter to, to our experience. You know, we, we want to experience joy and blessing, but we think that joy and blessing is found in the absence of suffering. And Peter says the opposite is true. So how does this work? Well, there's two things. There's more than two things, but there's two things at least that he says that we experience when we suffer for Jesus' sake. And the first thing is when we suffer uh, for Jesus' sake, we, we experience a greater fellowship with Jesus. That's verse 13. Think back to uh, the Old Testament and, and Daniel uh, chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, thrown into the, the, the fiery furnace. A horrendous situation. We'd expect them to be, to be distraught and to be sad. But actually what they experienced in the furnace was the presence of the incarnate Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ. Jesus was with them in, in, in great fellowship in their suffering. And Peter, as he writes to these believers, uh, he's saying to them, when Nero turns up the, the fires of persecution, 
Yes, it will be difficult, but Jesus will be with you and you will experience a, a, a rich fellowship with Jesus in suffering that will bring great joy and blessing. So how are we not sad in suffering? Well, we're not sad in suffering um, because we experience this, this amazing fellowship with Jesus. Uh, Paul and Silas could show us that in the prison cell as well. They're battered, they're bruised, they're scarred, they're bloodied. We expect to see them crying, silent. They're singing songs of praise, they're praying, they're overjoyed in suffering because they experience the, the fellowship of Jesus. And the, the second thing Peter says in verse 14 is that when we suffer, we receive the help of the Holy Spirit. Again, in a special way. Wearsby, the commentator, says uh, the Holy Spirit, he is the spirit of glory and he has a special ministry to those who suffer for the glory of Jesus Christ. So think about um, Stephen as an example of that in Acts chapter 7. Uh, he's, he's on trial the, the whole of, of the authorities are, are on his case. He, he's, he's told to stand up and make a speech. He has the chance maybe to say something that will pacify them. But rather than pacify them, he stands up and he proclaims Christ and the glory of Christ with great boldness. And the congregation hate it. They pick up stones to stone him to death. And as Stephen approaches death, he isn't sad, but he's smiling. He's, he's filled with joy because he knows the blessing of God the Holy Spirit. Uh, helping him. So Peter says to these believers in, in AD 63, and he, he says the same to us, uh, don't be saddened in suffering for Jesus' sake. And we can go to numerous psalms and we have the same message. How many psalms start with a psalmist in a state of despair and distress and suffering and anxiety? But just a few verses on, they end with great joy, courage and faith, blessing. Or think about Habakkuk, we'll come to the last chapter tonight. He's experiencing suffering. He's in a state of distress uh, and, and alarm about the, the nation and the circumstances that he's in the middle of. But as we come to the end of that book, the last words in that book are, are just filled with not sadness, but joy and blessing. Now, suffering is hard. I'm not trying to say that suffering is, is, a, is a, a minimal thing. It's a, a something that we can dismiss. Suffering is hard. There are some people in this room who have suffered much more than I've ever suffered. But the encouragement for us when we suffer is that we know that Jesus is with us. When we're suffering for Jesus' sake, he is promised in a special way he will be with us. And when we're suffering for Jesus' sake, uh, we will know that the help of the Holy Spirit in a, in a powerful way. And the reality is, and there could be testimony after testimony uh, of this. The reality is that very often uh, we experience more of the love and the power of Jesus in the, the storm of suffering than we ever do when it's calm. Very often, although we wouldn't choose suffering, there is immense blessing that comes through it because Jesus is with us. And I suppose the greatest illustration of blessing through suffering is Calvary, where Jesus suffered and Jesus died. He laid down his life for, for us. And without the suffering of Calvary, there wouldn't be the joy of salvation and the blessing of eternal life. So don't be surprised by suffering, says Peter. Uh, don't be saddened in suffering. The third thing Peter says is, is don't suffer because of sin. Don't suffer uh, because of your own personal sin. You know, sometimes we can suffer because we are like Christ. 
And people see Jesus in us and they, they, they rail against Jesus as they see Jesus in us. Sometimes the reason that we suffer is not because we're like Christ, it's because we're not like Christ. Sometimes I can suffer not because of sharing the gospel, but because of speaking a harsh word or being insensitive, being blunt and angular. Sometimes we can suffer because of our own lack of wisdom and our, our sin. And so Peter is saying here, don't suffer because of sin. Think about it this way. Uh, you can go to a gym. You can exercise, you can lift weights, and there's good pain. There's that kind of pain that, that builds muscle and builds stamina, and there's bad pain that leads to injury. And Peter says here, there's, there's good suffering and there's bad suffering. If you suffer, verse 15, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or evildoer, I think it says in the other versions. And that's a, it's an easy-to-follow argument. We can think about uh, the fact today that there are, there are people who are suffering in jail because of criminality. There are people who are suffering in jail cells because, uh, they've, because they've committed criminal offences. They've sinned. And there can be people suffering in the same jail complex, not because they've sinned, but because they're followers of Jesus. And they're both suffering in the same place, but for different reasons. And we might follow Peter's argument, which is very clear, and, and feel quite at ease over this. And we might say, well... I don't think I'm a murderer. I, I'm not a thief. Don't go around robbing banks. I'm not trying to take people's lives. You know, my criminal record is clear or it's short. So I, I don't think this is applying to me, but Peter's not finished. Peter says, if you suffer, verse 15, it should not be as a murderer, you might say tick, or a thief, not done that, or any other kind of criminal. And then he adds this little bit at the end, or even a meddler. And that kind of catches us and takes the wind out of us. A meddler. What's that doing on the end of this, this list? What's a meddler? Well, a meddler is somebody who, who doesn't mind his own business. A meddler is, is somebody who's, who's all over Facebook checking all these different profiles that have nothing to do with him to see what dirt they can find on the, on the person. A meddler is someone who pokes his or her nose into the affairs of others and causes all manner of trouble uh, because of that. So Peter says, don't suffer because of murder, theft, evil doing. Or being a gossip, being a meddler. Now, surely that doesn't happen in churches. Surely in small communities there's no, there's no meddlers to, to be seen. Well, we know how much this speaks into our experience. We know how easy it is in a small community to be drawn into the gossipy conversations about other people's affairs. And we know how much trouble often comes through these kind of conversations that are not our business. And we know how many relationships uh, can so quickly fall apart because of meddling. So as we look into the mirror of God's word, uh, we are simply called to repent of, of any of the, the sins that we, that we see. Peter says to us, turn away from murder, turn away from theft, turn away from evil doing, and turn away from meddling. Don't let the, the sin uh, of uh, meddling, gossip, uh, cause trouble and strife and suffering to you or to the people that you've spoken about and I think the greatest example we have is is Jesus yes he's our savior he's one that we trust he's also our example think about Jesus he didn't live in in some huge city the top of some skyscraper Jesus lived in a, a small community like this about the same size as ours and he was part of a a small traveling congregation of 12 disciples and he saw everything that they did. 
And he heard every word that they, that they spoke. And he even was able to discern every thought in the minds of the people around him, including Judas. And yet he never stirred the pot of strife, never gossiped, never said to, to James and John, don't you think Peter's getting a, a bit of a big head just now? Maybe he needs to come down a bit. Never looked in Judas's direction and, and turned to Peter and said, I'm not sure about that one. What do you think? Nothing. He never meddled. He never suffered because of his sin, because he never sinned. But he suffered for our sin, for our murder, for our theft, for our criminal activity, for our meddling, for our gossiping. He suffered for that so that we might be saved if we trust him. So Peter says, don't suffer because of sin. Don't suffer because of your own lack of wisdom, your own unchristlikeness. Don't be surprised by suffering. Don't be saddened in suffering. The next thing he says is don't be ashamed to suffer. Verse 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. And again, the lesson is really uh, clear, it's straightforward, and uh, it's simply that we're not to be ashamed of Jesus. Even though the world might not approve of Jesus, and increasingly we know that in our own country, the world does not approve of Jesus. Even though we might suffer for being known as Christians, we're experiencing more of that. Peter says, don't be ashamed. And I think that was a hard thing for Peter to write. So we go back to, to Peter and, and visualize him in his study. Don't you think that was a hard line for Peter to write? Because as Peter wrote, almost certainly he was thinking back to the night that he was ashamed of Jesus. Almost certainly, as Peter wrote that verse, he, he, he was thinking back to that night when he denied Jesus three times because he was ashamed of him. He didn't want to, to be known as a follower of Jesus. He didn't want to be known as that band of disciples who were with Jesus. He was ashamed of him. And Peter wept bitter tears because of that sin of being ashamed of his Lord. But Peter had repented and Peter was forgiven and Peter was restored. And now Peter is teaching us not to be like him on that night. Not to be ashamed, but to praise God, to own Jesus, even in and through suffering. And I think in terms of application here, we should pray for uh, our young ones who are growing up in a world that is less and less tolerant of, of Jesus. There's quite a few young ones here in the building and in this room here and, and outside. They're growing up in a different world to the world that many of the, the more mature people in the room grew up to. So let's pray for them. Pray for the, the students who are going or going back to universities and academic institutions that would be critical of Jesus and, and would hold up the word of God and, and call it untrue and dangerous and, and bigoted and all these things. Pray for these young ones. You know, it's so easy to deny Jesus. It's so easy to, to be ashamed and to go silent, as Peter did, just to avoid suffering. But their calling and our calling is, is not to be ashamed of Jesus, even when it brings suffering. Maybe a word about communion as well. What are we, three, four weeks away from the the communion season again, where uh, the table uh, is set and where the invitation goes out, uh, we hear the word of Jesus saying, uh, all who are loving me, all who are trusting me, do this in remembrance of me. Don't be ashamed to own me. And perhaps there's someone in here who's a Christian and has been for years and maybe decades, but secretly, don't be ashamed of the name of Jesus. Don't be ashamed to sit at his table. Don't be ashamed of him, even though it might draw the criticism of your family, even though it might draw the, the ridicule of some of your friends. Don't be ashamed of him. Come forward and own him as your Lord and your Savior. Don't be ashamed to suffer. And the last thing, just a word 
uh, Peter says, don't be sidetracked by suffering. Don't be sidetracked. Don't be distracted by suffering. I was watching uh, one of these wee short videos the other day, and I think it, I can't remember what the title was. It was something to do with distraction. And it was one of these videos where you see these dogs racing, these greyhounds at the race. And uh, the, 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 the traps opened, the, the little ra- the mechanical uh, rabbit went shooting off, all these dogs charging after the, uh, the mechanical rabbit. And then out of nowhere, a real live rabbit uh, came scooting across the, 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 the track. And every one of the dogs saw it, got the smell, and took off after the rabbit. None of them finished the race. They were all distracted. All these punters were probably distraught. And a storm of suffering can very easily distract us. Again, Peter could tell us about that when uh, he, he was on the water and the waves started to crash in. And he, he looked not at Jesus, but he looked at the, the waves. And when he looked at the waves, he sank. And when things get rough in our lives and when a storm of suffering blows in, it's very easy for us to take our eyes off Jesus. It's very easy for us to lose focus on the mission that we've been given. And Peter is teaching us not to do that. Verse 17 and 18, for the time of judgment to begin, for the time, for it is the time of judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will become, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? What's Peter saying here? Well, he's, he's saying a storm of persecution is coming. It's partly here, but it's going to get worse. It's coming, and it's going to hit the family of God. It's actually going to show who's in the family of God and who's not. It's going to separate the sheep from the goats. It's going to reveal who's a real Christian and who's a fake Christian. And Peter's saying, when that storm comes in, when the the, the suffering intensifies, it's going to be difficult, but don't be sidetracked by it. Don't let the self-pity that very easily takes hold of us when we suffer take us off mission. And what was their mission? Well, their mission was, verse 17, to reach out to those who who do not obey the gospel of God. Their mission was to to reach out to uh, the ungodly and the sinner, what we all were and are apart from Christ. And Peter is saying, what will become of them? What will become of those who are lost if we don't stay on mission and tell them about Jesus? One commentator says, instead of being concerned only about ourselves, we need to be concerned about the lost sinners around us. Our present fiery trial is nothing compared with the flaming fire that shall punish the lost when Jesus returns in judgment. And that's a sobering line. Our present fiery trial is nothing compared with the flaming fire that shall punish the lost when Jesus returns in judgment. And so Peter says, tell them about the Savior. Tell a lost world that they need to meet Jesus as Savior. Not as judge. Don't be sidetracked from mission. Don't be sidetracked by suffering, says Peter. So then, verse 19, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. That's where Peter finishes. He says, commit yourself morning by morning to God, uh, the one who is faithful, and he will give us the strength to continue doing good for Jesus' sake. He will give us the strength to keep on keeping on, even through suffering. We'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We feel the challenge of it and the conviction of it. Uh, We know little of the the suffering that Peter experienced, although we are conscious that uh, there is a rise in the level of suffering that we are exposed to. 
Help us, we pray, to be faithful. Help us, we pray, to uh, keep our eyes on Jesus, to keep on telling people about Jesus. Help us not to go silent, not to be ashamed, but to keep on uh, sharing the gospel in a world and in a country at a time when uh, there is less and less tolerance. And we thank you for this letter. We thank you for your word. And we thank you uh, that we are able to trust you, Lord Jesus, as our saviour. We thank you that you suffered more than we can ever comprehend uh, so that we could be saved. So help us, we pray, uh, when we have a little suffering to endure, to look to the cross and to stand firm as we think about your great love uh, for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.